This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 10th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Even by the standards of federal agencies, the Transportation Security Administration is strongly disliked. The agency's antics with respect to the regulations they want to foist upon travelers are no less concerning. The Competitive Enterprise Institute has filed a lawsuit over the agency's strip search machines. Mark Scribner of CEI and Jim Harper of the Cato Institute discuss TSA's problematic behavior. In 2008, the TSA started rolling out these uh, body scanners in airports. Um, and uh, what they didn't do was go through the proper uh, rulemaking requirements that they're required to do under the Administrative Procedure Act. So a lawsuit was filed in 2010, and then in 2011, a court ruled that, uh, in fact, TSA had violated uh, the Administrative Procedure Act and had to produce this regulation. Now, we only got that regulation in March 2016. It took them, uh, they spent a great deal of time uh, rolling this out. Um, and you would think that they would have done uh, the proper analysis to support their decision to deploy body scanners. Uh, however, as our uh, lawsuit alleges, uh, they did not do that. Um, and what we are pointing out, uh, a major deficiency in their analysis, is they failed to account uh, for the num- uh, the some number of travelers who are deterred from flying because of the the onerous nature of these machines, the invasiveness of these machines, uh, and the perceived uh, delays and things like that. Regardless of their reason, they decide to drive instead. Given that driving is much more dangerous than flying, uh, some number of those people then die on the highways. Uh, and this is known as modal substitution. So what we are asking in our lawsuit is that the TSA, uh, is that the court ordered the TSA uh, to go back and do this proper analysis. Now, to you, Jim Harper, this six-year period where TSA is putting together a rule for something that they're already doing. It's a long, long process to try to bring that agency under the rule of law, and it will undoubtedly continue. They've drawn it out quite a bit themselves by delaying the issuance of the of the uh, pr- of the rule even after it was required by uh, by a court, and that of course was based on a lawsuit that had to be filed to get this to happen. But the idea that uh, the government is subject to law everywhere, including at the airport, is very important, uh, and this challenge is 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 helping to do that. Uh, when and if it is successful, uh, it can be applied to other TSA activities, other behaviors that it popped into place. And there might be some justification in the, in the um, two years, five years, eight years after 911 to, to take some quick action to put security measures in place. But we're well past the time when agencies like TSA and the DHS in toto should be doing careful risk analysis, careful cost benefit that actually uh, produces programs that materially secure us in a cost beneficial way. This is an effort to do that. Mark, the specifics of the lawsuit, let's start with this idea of what you described as modal substitution, the idea that people who, for whatever reason, decide one uh, mode of transportation is better than another given the total uh, hassles and costs and benefits for them. How many people are we talking about who may be deterred from flying based upon the invasiveness of these uh, naked body scanners? So in the immediate aftermath of of 9-11, one thing that uh, people noticed is there was this uh, very rapid decline in short-haul flights. 
Um, and a team of three economists from Cornell University took a look at this, and what they found was that uh, due to new post-9-11 uh, uh, screening procedures from the TSA, um, that uh, what, well, what they found was is that in the fourth quarter of 2002 alone, that more than 100 people additionally were killed on the roads because of this, this substitution. Um, now, extrapolate that, um, as some other scholars have done, namely uh, John Mueller, who is a senior fellow at, at Cato, uh, and his, uh, his uh, scholarly partner, uh, Mark Stewart, and they've, they've looked at this and they came up with, well, you know, it, is, it may be reasonable to assume that these post-9-11 uh, security procedures, uh, invasive security procedures, were resulting in about 500 additional road fatalities per year. Um, and that, I think, is significant, uh, given that we have, a, we have about, uh, depending on the year, 30 to 34,000 highway fatalities in the U.S. every year. So 500 isn't chump change. Um, and that's certainly something you would expect a, an agency to, uh, to consider in its, in its risk analysis or in its benefit cost analysis. Um, but uh, as we said, the uh, TSA has not done that. Okay. So when an, a federal agency is putting together a rule or deciding whether or not they dis need to engage in this uh, cost-benefit analysis before they put out this rule, what are the procedures that they have to follow to even decide whether or not they need to do that cost-benefit analysis? Well, for, in, in this case, they claimed that they did they did do the proper cost-benefit analysis. Um, what they're saying is that they, they couldn't, uh, they don't have any evidence, but, you know, the problem with that is, is they didn't do any research, um, at least that we know of. Um, and as, as, as Jim can tell you, a lot of the research that has been done by the government, uh, audits, um, but also um, uh, uh, by TSA itself, most of that remains classified. Um, and the public is not able to see that. However, um, former uh, House Transportation Infrastructure Committee Chairman John Micah was able to see one of these classified audits, uh, and what he found uh, uh, and, and put in the uh, congressional record, he said that if he could reveal the failure rate of these machines to the American public, they would be outraged. So um, we know something is terribly wrong at TSA, uh, but it's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of this is, is behind closed doors um, and there's no light shed. What's unusual, this is something that John Mueller points out, is that the Department of Homeland Security does some really excellent uh, risk management in other branches. FEMA is uh, apparently quite good at it, but they're just not good at it in, in TSA apparently. Uh, what they've done in their, in their cost-benefit analysis is um, uh, do what's called a break-even analysis. That's appropriate if you have a, a very rare, hard-to-gauge risk. It doesn't happen very often. So uh, how, much, how often would it have to happen for the expenditures that you're doing to be justified? And they came up with a real congenial number. If, uh, if these things uh, stop terrorists every uh, year or so, then it's, then it's cost justified. But, but they, what they failed to do was account for the fact that the strip search machine policy is one of many, many layers of security going all the way from the airport out to the society at large. There's lots and lots of different security layers and, and the concept of security layering is one that TSA uses and I think it's appropriate. The machines provide some um, percentage of protection uh, along with all the others and you have to assume something like 100% protection for it to be cost beneficial. That is no other security measures in the United States at all nothing but these machines, then they're cost beneficial according to their analysis. In fact, what's most likely is that they provide uh, a 0.5 percent 
uh, improvement in security or maybe being generous of 1% or be very generous of 5% uh, uh, contribution to the, to the security that we see at airports. Uh, under those more realistic numbers, uh, the machines are wildly uh, cost ineffective. It wasn't it just last year, uh, Jim, we talked about this. Uh, TSA is now moving or has hinted that the ability to opt out of, of those same scanners uh, is at risk. What's uh, crazy from a rule of law point of view is that while, uh, while their court-ordered rulemaking was in process, they went and invented on the fly another dimension of the rule. Um, so, and, and the rule that they finally came out with uh, and, and published recently is, I, I think, totally insufficient. Um, what the court required of the, the D.C. Circuit Court here in Washington, D.C., required of the TSA is what's called a legislative rule. You have to be able to look at it and recognize what your rights and liabilities are. It has to have some meaning and content. But what it says is we may use AIT for advanced imaging technology at airports and a couple of other things. It doesn't tell you anything about what the what the passenger is entitled to, what the passenger is required to do. It's not a legislative rule. So, Mark, uh, what do you hope is the resolution? And uh, I understand this is part of a larger thing, but what does what would a victory in this lawsuit establish? Well, the victory would establish uh, that the TSA has to go back, that the rule is remanded to the agency until they do the proper benefit cost analysis. Um, You know, fortunately, we have uh, we have a a textbook example of 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 an aviation agency doing this. And uh, the the example is with uh, the FAA uh, and what are known as lap babies back in the 1990s. Um, So after following an accident in the late 80s, um, when, you know, uh, lap babies are these children under two that parents are allowed to carry in their laps without buying another ticket. Um, following an accident, a lap baby died in, a, in an accident and there was a call to ban this and require that these children be ticketed and put in, in, uh, in car seats, basically, uh, in, in the, seats, in the uh, seats next to their parents. Now, a team of FAA economists in 1995 put out a report and what they found was, well, if you're going to require these young parents to buy an additional ticket for their children, many are going to take to the roads uh, and some number of them are going to die. And what they estimated was that for every lap baby you save by this rule, 16 people will di- additional people will die on the highways instead. And this is now a classic example. They use this at, at OMB, I believe to this day, as an example of a, of a lethally stupid rule uh, of the kind of things that, the, uh, that regulatory agencies shouldn't do. Um, so there is, there is history with the, with the federal government actually doing this right. And that's really all we're asking is that, is that TSA go back and do the proper risk and benefit cost analyses. This challenge to the TSA's rules on strip search machines or advanced imaging technology, as they like to call them, is important and getting the agency under the rule of law is important. But we should never lose sight of the fact that responsibility for security should be returned to airlines and airports, and the TSA should ultimately be shut down. Mark Scribner is a fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Jim Harper is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. This month marks 10 years of the Cato Daily Podcast. Subscribe and share at cato.org slash podcast.